Hey guys, welcome to another episode of In Scripture. We're going to continue talking about the book of James today. And you know, I forgot to mention last episode was our 10th episode. So this Ooh. is number 11. Mm. We're Exciting times. You know, it's, it's funny, interesting that because a lot of podcasts usually that's the determining factor if they're going to survive. Yeah, episode 10 is when you make it or break it. Yeah, episode 10 is, is a big stepping stone. So we're not saying that we're all that. We still have a lot of work to do, and we, we realize that, and we appreciate any feedback. Well, but. technically, this didn't start till I got here, so <laughs> you guys are only on your fifth or sixth episode. <laughs> <right now. laughs> yeah, we didn't have a four-member band, for those of you who didn't know, um, but now Mark joined, so it's technically fully official now. Exactly. Speaking of the podcast, actually, this past week, we've had a lot of good feedback. Um, just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has who has responded to any one of us individually or who may have, you know, direct messaged us on our Instagram. It has been very awesome to hear some feedback, to get some, some tips or pointers, just things that you guys may have enjoyed, things that you guys may have felt like needed to be improved. Um, we are definitely open to, to any sort of criticism. Um, to us, any kind of criticism, negative or positive, is always great because we're always trying to improve. We definitely want this to be something that is enjoyable and beneficial, most importantly, on a spiritual level for our listeners. So if there's anything specifically, even spiritual, that you guys would like to hear more of, a direction you guys would like us to take, please let us know. We're going to continue to improve. There's definitely a lot of stuff that in these you know, past couple episodes that we've been improving in these 10 episodes. And every single one, we're, we're trying to get a little bit better on the, on the technical side of things. So bear with us. As we become professional, it's called a stuff. duct tape production. Duct. <laughs> if you if you were to hear our very 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 first podcast that is not posted anywhere, you would be like, "Wow, these guys really improved because <laughs> it was very yeah. interesting." It Those was were recorded on an iPhone four. It's, no, it was a little better than that. 3GS. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, anywho, um, yeah. We want to stress the fact that also going into James, and we mentioned this the other episode, but it is a New Testament book, and we do have to take a little bit of a throttle back approach when it comes to studying what the Word says. So you will find us oftentimes, you know, going three, four verses at a time, because when it comes to the New Testament, there's a lot of information in one chapter. It's not always a continued. Uh, story about something or some, something that happened about somebody. It's more of a direct um, topic or like a, things you need to do better or learn or, and things like that. So it does take some time to oftentimes go through a few verses. So we're almost finishing chapter one. I think we've made so much progress. Um, but before we get started, I had an interesting conversation with one of my Fellow co-workers, you know, working night shift, I don't know, for those of you who don't know, it, you get to a point where around three, four in the morning when you don't have much work left, you start having some very interesting conversations. Um, when you have, you know, five, six older grown men sitting there in, in one room and you still have, you know, four more hours to sit there, you definitely stumble upon some interesting conversations. Um, but I, you know, I try to take that time to really ask people things that they need to think about. But I have to be careful because working for a big company, we know that you can't, you can easily offend somebody sometimes by asking them something too much, you know? 
So uh, I got into this conversation with this one one guy at work about what is your outlook on life and what do you think you were born for? Um, and the reason that kind of conversation stemmed is because I've heard him say all the things he lived through and the things he, the trials that he struggled, right? We're going to talk about trials a little bit more today, but but he came out on top, seems like in most trials, because he technically wasn't wrong, but you know, he didn't have like a celebratory type of outlook on it. And all he told me was he can't wait to retire because, you know, he has a few more years. Um, and then I asked him, I'm like, well, you know, what are you going to do when you retire? Like, what is your plans? Because ultimately all of us in our lifetime think about, I can't wait to the day where I don't have to work anymore. But once you don't work, you need to find your time to, you need to find something to fill your time with. Right. So I was like, what are you going to do? Like, what, what are you planning on doing? And to kind of give a little bit of background on this, on this guy, he is, you know, single, he doesn't really have a family, you know, he lives by himself, his uh, mother and father already passed away. So, um, he did inherit a little bit of wealth from them. Um, so he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't need anything per se. Um, but he doesn't have anything as well. So he doesn't even have an outlook on life. And, and, uh, it was a tough answer for me that I received from him, um, that I wanted to share with you guys that this is reality. I think this is when you talk to many individuals that you're around every day, you might end up hearing this kind of answer. This is not something rare, you know, nowadays, um, we have to understand that the people who don't have Christ in their life, oftentimes they have like a whole 180 degree view on life than we do. Right. So he said he, his outlook, his future, he's can't wait to just retire and, uh, smoke marijuana on his free time. He just wants to stay in a constant high on life because he doesn't really care about anything else. And, and it was a serious answer. It wasn't a joke. Oftentimes you hear people joke about that stuff, but it wasn't a joke. And you know, the reality of it is, is we're moving closer and closer to legalizing everything to the, to the point where, um, after this election in Portland, they, you know, legalized substances like mushrooms and all of that stuff. So just kind of going back to him, that was his outlook on life. That's what he thought he was, he's here for. And it was very difficult for me to really, I don't know, really ask him why he thinks that. And it was really difficult for me to continue the conversation with him because obviously that's not what we're put on, on earth for. Um, but the one thing I did think about is other than I will pray for him, but I thought about the blessing and the grace that God has given me that I woke up from that. You know, I woke up to realize that's not what life's about. And to receive salvation and, and live and serve God just brings this true happiness um, and no matter what trials, no matter what things we get in our life, we only grow, right? And patience grows. And this is a lot of what James talks about is what it is to be a Christian, what it is to be a Christian and going through different things, um, different perspectives of things. So going into James, that's what James is really about is grasping your Christian life and telling you what you might encounter, what you will go through and how to go through it properly. And James, obviously we are talked about his background, who he was. He was near Christ a lot. He learned from Christ a lot. 
and he puts a lot of this into scripture, into this book. And so, you know, we quickly talked about um, how he mentions himself as a bond servant. We uh, talked about joy, finding joy in trials, but also finding patience and how patience, we're supposed to let it into our life um, through faith and how we grow through that. And trials is a big topic here, I feel like, in chapter one. I'm sure you guys would agree with me. Um, And today we're going to, you know, kind of go into verses nine through 11, where it talks about the perspective of the rich and poor. But I want to add to that, that that's still talking about trials. Um, It's not just like a off topic about the rich and poor. I feel like it's still under one um, topic of trials and it's in context, right? So I think going back to what your story was about your, your coworker, it's, you know, we, we talked about how James is written towards believers, James is written for believers to to have almost like a, I don't want to say a guideline, but it's almost like a guideline for how a Christian should live a practical Christian holy life. And, and there's these little tidbits of of information or wisdom that we can get from these these passages or these little little sections of of just advice in different aspects of our life. And one of the most important aspects of a, of a, of the life of a Christian is witnessing to non-believers. And the hardest part about that, especially if you're not doing it, it's one thing to 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 do this at church to like teenagers. Because at church, for the most part, you know that those teenagers okay, so it's Awana, it's Monday. I have an opportunity to talk to my teens about Jesus. If I miss that opportunity, you always got next Monday, right? Like for the most part, for the most part, you're still going to see them at church because, you know, their parents forced them to go. For the most part, they're already kind of in that churchy atmosphere. They may have not accepted Christ, but they're in that atmosphere. So you don't find it so like, you don't find it such a dramatic thing to like, okay, I need to save this person now because I might not get another chance. That's not the case when you talk to random people on the street or even coworkers. Very... Very rarely do you get that moment with a coworker where they truly open themselves up to you spiritually. That's not always such an easy thing to happen. And and I've had that situation happen to me before where a coworker who is not a believer starts opening up on like that aspect of life, you know, the whole thinking deeper about life and, and asking me questions about my faith and and like the opportunity, like when you when you know the opportunity's there for you to like bring Christ in, because you know, you can't just you can't just be in the middle of work and then just like sit down and, and question someone. Do you believe? Are you, are you ready to go to hell? Like you can't do that. That's not right. That's not, that's not the right approach because nine times out of 10, that just pushes people away. It just scares people or you end up getting a negative reaction and then you still got to work with these people, you know? But in this case, it's, it's like this, man, I, I got him where I want him, you know? And, and you don't want to leave it's almost like, I don't want to leave until I save this person because I don't know when I'm going to get another opportunity. How do I know that this guy's ever going to open up to me again the way he has tonight? For some reason tonight, he opened up to me. And what if I don't get him like saved here and now? And the, the, the scary part is though, it doesn't always happen right there. You know, and, and the scary part is that- And that's, us, o- that's okay. And that's okay. That's it's the okay point. That it is it okay. It's okay yeah. that you planted the seed. And, and at the end of the day, as we read in scripture that- we can plant that seed. We can water as much as we need, but only God can give the increase. Only God can actually take that seed that you plant and turn it into something greater. 
turn it into salvation, to, to give that person that opportunity to repent of their sins. And, and it's something that, I mean, you know, we talked about patience in James. I think that's part of that patience in our faith. You know, how we, talk, we read about how, how our faith builds our patience. And, and me and Alex talked about how it's, it's not a passive patience. It's, being an, it's, it's active patience. It's understanding that just because I'm not doing anything doesn't mean that that's wrong. It doesn't mean I'm doing nothing. It just means that I'm trusting God in this moment. I'm trusting that he will take things from this point forward. And in situations like that, I feel like there's just not much you can say, you know, like in people to people like that, I guess like the best thing you can do is just whenever you get an opportunity, try, but try to be a more an example to them, you know, show them with your day-to-day living, what it's like to be a believer, show them that the fact that Christ gives you a purse, a purpose to live, you know, it seems like this man just doesn't have a reason to live anymore. He's just no trying, he's just, like you said, he's just looking for that high and, and it almost seems like he himself knows that he doesn't have a real reason to live. And so I think just being that light around him, that, that could be the thing that ends up one day eventually making it click in his head. The way, the way it happened to all of us, you know, the way we all had that moment where it just, we realized how hopeless we are without Christ. I want to bring in uh, an example that I heard on the radio driving home one time from our recordings. This was a couple of weeks back, actually. If I remember correctly, I think it was Chip Ingram that was sharing this example of his personal experiences of witnessing to his own father-in-law uh, about Christ. And he was, you know, a born atheist, lived his whole life being an atheist. And uh, the first time that Chip ever witnessed to him, uh, you know, he, he listened to him. Uh, his father-in-law listened to Chip and completely shut him down. He said pretty much, you know, if that's working for you, I'm happy for you, but don't ever talk to me again about Christ. Uh, 20 plus years go by and his father-in-law gets a stroke um, and it, you know, it pretty much knocks him off his feet and to the point where, you know, if he has any kind of other heart failure or another stroke, he's going to die. Uh, they sent him home for a little bit and then something else happened and he got hospitalized again and he realized that he's got very, very, very little time left to live. And, you know, he was, Chip was having this battle inside him. So it's like, okay, I, I see he's dying. Do I, do I witness to him again? Although he told me and I promised him I'll never witness to him again. It's been 20 plus years, right? And he took the chance. He came up to him and asked him, I don't remember his father-in-law's name, but he came up to him and asked him, like, do you want to accept Christ into your heart? And with tears, you know, barely able to speak because of his stroke, he, he accepted Christ in his heart. And that's because, you know, he saw the opportunity, like you said, there's not, there's sometimes, there's not much we can do, but just sit there and wait and let God do, do his thing. But during those 20 years, he constantly prayed for him, him, his wife, you know, his, you know, his sisters and, you know, his daughters and everything. They prayed for him for those 20 plus years. And it takes, sometimes it takes a while, right? Sometimes it takes a near death type experience for someone to uh, go through before they actually finally accept Christ. So like to bring you back to your example, we, you know, I hope you, you continue to pray for him, Alex, and, you know, just wait for God to do his thing. Like you said, I don't know if you ever talked to him about Christ before, but, you know, don't, don't get discouraged and wait, maybe just wait for the right moment to plant, you know, just a small seed, right? And God's going to do miracles. Yeah, I think, Amen. you know, we, we wrapped up our conversation with him 
because I had to at least tell them something that'll make them think. Um, that's always my goal, you know? And honestly, a question like, what are you doing with your life? Could be that something that makes a person think. They might answer you real quick to get you off, but then they might come home and remember your conversation and actually start thinking about that. So I asked them, I've never done any drugs, right? What am I missing? Like, please tell me, what am I missing that I, I should regret at this point? And he even told me himself, you're not missing anything. So, and there is my opportunity where I was like, well, then what's so great about it? Why do you think to devote your future to that? And unfortunately, like, you know, our conversation kind of got to an end because somebody else asked something else. And, but my question was asked and I hope, you know, he ponders on it in his head. Um, yeah. but to, to our listeners, I, I do agree with, um, Serge and Mark here, take, take opportunities because the worst thing that can happen to you is the conversation can end and a person can tell you, don't you talk know, to me about just that, don't yeah. talk to me about that. Um, nobody's going to hurt you. Nobody's going to, you know, God, I don't think God would put you in the situation where you would, you know, suffer in some way just by asking a simple thing. Um, now just, just take that opportunity, you know, jump on it. And like Mark said, you might not get another opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if you didn't, it didn't work out for you, it's okay. Just wait about it, pray about it, but you have to actively do something. Um, we talked about active patience. You have to have active patience with sinners too, because in, in evangelism, in telling them about Christ, it sometimes takes a few times. So ask a question, plant that seed, and sometimes you just got to move on, you know? Amen. All right. Last week we talked about wisdom. We talked about the fact that God is ready to give it to you, that it is open and he's ready to liberally and without reproach, give it to you. As long as you ask him in faith, though, you can't have any doubt. Um, we talked about that. We talked about how if the man does have doubt, it is, it is. Um, it says in verse eight, he is a double-minded man, unstable in his in all his ways. We talked about how this man who has that doubt isn't sure of even what he may want himself. Maybe that. Maybe he doesn't want the right kind of wisdom. Maybe he's looking for the kind of wisdom that improves his own personal life as opposed to asking God to direct his life in the way God wants him to be directed. And and there was a lot of great messages about that. I'm sure we're going to be bringing it back up the way we've already brought up um, about the wisdom we've already brought up about the patience and the trials. Today, we're going to be talking about rich and poor Christians. I'll read verses 9 through 11 to get us started. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Thank you, Alex. It's very interesting couple verses here. Uh, it's just three verses, really, but there's a lot, you know, we can talk about here. So just looking at verse 9, let the lowly brother boast or glory in his exaltation. Uh, so just to clarify, the lowly brother uh, means it's someone that's maybe not necessarily poor, but more likely they are poor or someone that's definitely low in status, um, at least, you know, here on earth. 
But this this interesting concept comes about boasting in exaltation. Um, what does that mean to boast in it? And or not boast, but just the exaltation part. That word. What does that mean? Exaltation. There are two definitions. I think they're more closely related than it seems. But the first one would be a feeling or state of extreme happiness. Uh, the second one would be the action of elevating someone in rank, power, or character. I personally, because you said boast in it, your exaltation, my translation says glory, which to me sounds even more, sounds like more like a Bible word, you know, glory, to glorify. And and it's it's almost, what's that what's that liter, literary word? It's a, it's an onomatopoeia? No, wrong word. A synonym? A synonym? No, I'm thinking it's it's two things that don't make sense together. That's what I'm trying to say. It, it's a lowly person. It's a person who is poor, or maybe like you said, in a in a down on his luck status. And yet the script the, the verse tells us that this low person is, you know, glory in his exaltation. So why? How? <laughs> what is that trying to say? What are we supposed to take for ourselves that these two things don't seem to match up and yet we're supposed to take that how? Well, if you keep in mind something we we mentioned over and over, but keep in mind just the target audience of this letter, right? The letter of James. He is writing to supposedly Christian Jews, people that, you know, believe in Christ the Messiah, people that know about God, people that have uh, supposedly a spiritual rebirth. And, uh, but yet, as we see him, as you read through all scripture, even Christian people still tend to have problems. And I think this is one problem that James is definitely trying to address is this uh, understanding or maybe this misinterpretation about you know being poor physically or financially versus being rich in Christ spiritually and how do these two play in together and I think what he's trying to say here is perhaps someone that is uh, materialistically or financially poor someone that's in poverty let him boast in this exaltation meaning if th- this is a really truly saved person but they have nothing they are poor. They might be living out in the streets. They might have no family or at least none that cares about what him. What could they be happy about then? The fact that they have Christ, that they exactly. have salvation, they have faith. I think that's exactly, yeah, what it's talking about. For me personally, um, it brings up uh, an interesting reference. Uh, if you open up Matthew chapter 5, uh, this is the Sermon on the Mount uh, when Christ talks about the Beatitudes. Uh, verse 3, 6, and 8. Uh, It says the following, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, I feel like, you know, we can easily just say that these kind of three verses just sum up these three verses that we just read in James. Um, But there's obviously a lot to talk about. If you were to relate these verses together... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I think that's exactly what verse 9 is talking about here. It's not so much whether you're rich or poor financially. You know, we're not, can't say that one is a sin, right? In scripture, scripture doesn't condemn being rich. It doesn't condemn being poor. What's more important is what's on the inside, being exalted before God on your spiritual level. What do you guys think? I think as a Christian, both rich and poor you're dependent on God. Mm-hmm. And when God looks at your heart, he's not taking into account how much money you have in your bank account or how much real estate you own or you know what kind of car you drive. 
he's looking at the heart. So whether you're rich or you're poor, um, you basically have that dependence on God equally. That's kind of how I see it. I think to me, this is such a, such a good verse or these couple of verses are very good at just kind of, I don't know, putting life into perspective. You know, I, I guess we keep talking about how James is a very practical book. I feel like this is such a, a practical way of looking at life. And, and it's, it's honestly very awesome that the Bible has this kind of stuff included for us because it's, you, when you think of the Bible, you're always thinking of like the, the most deep spiritual passages that can, you know, that can save a man. It can, it, it, it's our way to God himself. It's our ticket. It's our way to learn about Christ, learn about the sacrifice that he made, learn about the history of this earth. It's our way to get into heaven, pretty much. This is God's word, and it's what gets us to eternity with him. And then at the same time, I feel like there are passages just like this where, yes, I think there's a greater spiritual meaning, but I think it's very important that there is just a day-to-day application here. There are things that we can take just for ourselves in our in our regular day-to-day lives that we can apply here and now to improve our life here and now. And the term I was looking for earlier was oxymoron. Oh, ah. See, you guys, you know that. You, I know I knew that, and I know you guys knew that. You know, if my wife was sitting with us, she would have snapped. She would have known. That's why we got wives. Yep. <laughs> we are nothing without our wives. Anyways, these... Would you say rich and humiliation is oxymoron? It is. I think that's, that, mm-hmm. that's even more of an oxymoron for us as humans. It's like, like, I can understand maybe a poor person being proud of like, you know, their family or their children, but like a rich person with humility, that is as counterintuitive as it gets. Well, what is what is a rich person with humility looks like? What do you guys think? Give me an example. <laughs> Ooh, that's hard to think of. I would use a personal example, my personal life, but I, I don't Are know. you the rich person with humility, Serge? <laughs> Definitely not the rich person. Uh, not the rich person. I'll say it again, not the rich person. <laughs> but uh, for me... I, uh, so this is you know kind of taking us already into verse ten, and the rich per, and the rich and his humiliation. So this, we're talking about boasting here, right? Or being or being brought in glory, uh, lowly brother boasting his exaltation, and a rich person in his humiliation. And what does that mean? Uh, so to me personally, and I think you guys will probably agree, is even for a rich person, we it takes a lot of humility for them to be able to say that regardless of their wealth here on earth they are still nothing without christ right for someone to be not dependent on their wealth but be fully 100 percent dependent on god it takes a lot of humiliation i don't know the extent of that humiliation but we definitely can read in scripture how so many wealthy people have fallen really hard because they were so dependent on on their um, physical gains versus their spiritual gains and that is the exact thing what this verse is talking about here and the personal example for me uh if you guys remember the parable or not the parable the conversation that jesus had with the rich ruler uh it's written in in, i think in several of the gospels but in luke chapter 18 for example um he tells the rich ruler comes up to him and asks him jesus what good teacher what do i have to do to inherit the kingdom and Jesus pretty much answers them, you know, love your mother, love your father, you know, pretty much uh, obey the Ten Commandments of the law, you know, love your God with all your heart, love your neighbor. And he's and the ritual replies saying, you know, I have kept all these commandments since my youth, since I was young. And then Jesus replies to him saying, there's one thing you still lack. Sell all your possession, possessions, 
and give it to the poor and needy and follow me, right? And we see, if you read that, uh, those verses, chapter 18, verses 18 to 30, you'll see that the rich ruler walks away being sad because he was very wealthy. Scripture doesn't say whether or not he actually went and did that, but from that story, we see that he was sad because he was supposed to give up something that he had a lot of, something that he was very much attached to. We don't read oh, any, you know, not just in that story, but anywhere in the Bible where scripture condemns wealth or something like that, right? We can agree that being rich is not a sin. It's as we, at least from that specific story, we see your attachment, your state of heart. If that is, is if wealth is where your treasure is, right? The earthly wealth, the rich fame, the money, the job, the, you know, the statuses. If that's what your heart is, then yeah, you're going to be sad. You're going to, like it says in verse 10, you're going to uh, fade away like the flower fades away. You're going to wither because that's all temporary. That's all going to burn. Um, but the humiliation, let the rich boast in his humiliation, meaning that no matter if he's how rich he is, it's nothing. He's nothing without Christ. How does, how does a rich person get there though? To that point of humiliation? Well, I think... Because again, we got to keep trials. The T word. (laughs) Yeah. Because we got to keep this in context. James is writing this to believers. He's writing this to people who already believe in Christ. So he's not talking about this. This isn't two poor. This isn't two sinners that he's talking to, or we're all sinners. This isn't two people who don't believe in Christ, who haven't accepted him as their savior. This is, for example, this is a rich person and a poor person, but they're both believers. And so I think it starts with that foundation of Christ. That's how. That's how a man of wealth can find that humiliation because as we read earlier in James, if you decide to follow Christ, if you decide to make him your savior, if you decide to, to give your life to him, then we know that you're going to fall into these, into these trials. We know that you're going to fall into these, these different moments in your life where, where you're, you're tempted or you're, you're pushed against a wall. And the truth of the matter is if you're rich, a lot of times your money will be the thing that you're going to have trials over because it's very easy for us as humans to get comfortable with ourselves when when we got money. And it's crazy how it doesn't require you to be a, a millionaire for you to get to that point. I mean, the second we start getting just a little bit comfortable financially, we seem to just stop being in need of God in our life. We just kind of put him to the side. We're not even, we wouldn't even qualify as rich, but the moment we are comfortable, we seem to forget about him. The, the moment mo- the moment you get the new job with a new pay bump. Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, you start praying a little bit less because you were praying a ton when you were in debt. You were praying all the time. It wasn't, a, it wasn't difficult for you to remember, man, I should probably ask God for help. So it doesn't require a lot of richness for us to get to that point. And so these these trials that you go through, I think that's what, that's what helps uh, a rich person in, you know, find that humiliation. I also think, though, that's what helps a low person, a person who may be lower in status or in wealth. I think that's what helps them realize that they're worth so much more. Because I think the trials that we receive and, and the faith that grows after we get through those trials, I think it helps both ends of these spectrums. It helps them kind of, it grounds us. It grounds us in Christ himself, and it helps us, understand that no matter where we are on that spectrum it all comes down to our relationship with him and at the end of the day it we find that happiness and joy we find that peace 
in him because we know that he's the only thing that really matters. Yep. And just like, you know, verse 10 ends, it says like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, you're going to die either way. Right. The question is, is where are you going to be after that? I think is, is the more like Mark, you were just saying is, is are you rooted in Christ or are you rooted in your wealth? Now, I think I do want to bring up the point that um, it doesn't mean that poor people are not tempted to, to desire wealth, right? We definitely know that poor people desire, can be tempted uh, to desire rich and fame, but, um, and not have that boast, boasting or that depending in Christ, like we read here that let the lowly brother be exalted. So I do think it's important to keep in mind, it's not, we're not trying to call people to be poor just so they can boast, you know, being exalted before Christ or being boasted in their faith. No, be where you are, you know, consider, go ahead and continue to be successful. But do keep in mind that without faith, without Christ, we are still nothing. Um, I do want to bring up uh, a passage that uh, you reminded me of. Uh, It's in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, and it says, now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will will test what sort of work each one has done. I want to relate this one because you know it's talking about trials there, and we're talking about trials here in James, and you know the fire is the thing that really gets rid of the fluff, the, the things that we try to cover up our sin or our nakedness with. And that's going to reveal who we truly are here. And same thing with trials, right? This These whole couple of verses that we've been reading or this whole chapter is really talking about testing your faith, right? That's all it really comes down to. Whether you're poor or you're rich, God allows certain circumstances in your life to test your faith. You can be poor and like we already said, you know, you can be praying for a nice job or for a little bit of more income and God can bless you and he can he'll bless you even more than what you asked for. But the question is, when you receive that blessing, where is your heart going to be? Are you going to remain faithful and dependent on God still? Or you, like we were saying, are you going to take more of a back seat and say, I'm good now, God. You can, you can take the passenger seat and I'm going to stay here at the wheel. So I think, I think it's very important for us to understand that it's not because in this context, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about money. More than anything, we're talking about financial gain or loss, or, or basically your your status financially. I think that this problem could occur in a lot of other things that we have too as humans. I think that it, it isn't just limited to our financial status. I think the second we put even something like knowledge, we can put knowledge above our faith in Christ. And if we get to the point where we can't find that humility in our knowledge, that could also hinder our faith in Christ. I think that. There's other aspects in our life or, or just being lowly, you know, that there's other aspects where you can start feeling like, you know, like God owes you something or you start pitying yourself and, and you start having these problems where it, not just financial things can get in the way, but we have to be mindful that there's other factors that if we put at the, at the end of the day, it's if we put anything above our trust in God, if our, if anything hinders our faith in him, if we start relying on anything that this world has to offer more than we rely on him then we're already losing. Then, then it, there's no point to go to continue. And uh, I wanted us to read 11, and we can start talking about that a little bit. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls, 
and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Why do you think he uses the example of grass and flowers? Man, I wish I could use that example in some of my uh, landscaping contracts when I try to explain <laughs> to a person um, the flowers why will I wither. <laughs> why I can't cut your grass shorter than you're asking me to is simply because if we do, um, I should say, you know, James one eleven says <laughs> burning heat withers the grass, but that's exactly what happens. You know, when we when we think about. Um, Nothing really lasts for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and there's things that are constantly gonna uh, fade away is a good is kind of a good word, I think, or good two words that we can say. Um, what was your question again? I wanted to answer it. Why? Why the contrast between the flowers and the grass? Oh, yeah. Why, why does he use that specific example of flowers and grass? I'm assuming the flowers are the, the rich people, right? Amongst like the field of just right regular people, okay. right? And and he's but both explaining, will fade. but both will fade. Yeah. Okay. I I agree. Um. So to answer my question, where I was getting that, if we fast forward just a little bit to James chapter four verse fourteen, he writes the following: Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So, and you can read very similar uh, scripture in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes where it talks about just how short life is. I'm sure us all growing up right now, we're expecting to live, you know, at least till retirement age, 65. Maybe, you know, if you're 10 years younger than us, maybe 70 or so or whatever that age may be. But we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I'm not saying that, you know, Christ is going to come down from heaven and bring up and take the church up. But we don't know if you're going to get in a car accident. We don't know if, you know, something dramatic might happen to you or, or even your family member and it might take a big toll on you. We just don't know. And what's important here, what James is trying to convey is as important as it is for us to make sure that we are financially secure, that is not the end all goal. The most important thing is to making sure that you have Christ in your heart, that he is the center of your life and focus, that you put a, you know, the majority, if not all of your strength and efforts and time into him. And, you know, God will bless you. Um, it's not to say that being rich or poor is a sin here. We see that scripture is definitely not condemning that. Um, I do want to make a note that if you are, you know, financially wealthy and abundant and God has blessed you with that, how you use that money and how you use that, you know, for God's glory. That's a whole separate discussion. I don't, we don't have time to talk about that here. Right now, we're just talking about where your heart is. Is it attached to your wealth and fame or, or is it attached to Christ, no matter if you're rich or poor? And I think with that passage you just brought up about the vapor and, and how quick our life can, can begin and end, a lot of times we take those passages as kind of like you said, you know, a lot of times we take it as, oh, you know, I can get in a car accident tomorrow and life would be over. And that's true. That, that's very true that we don't know what tomorrow has to bring. We don't know what our future holds, our, our very near future. And, and it could be unfortunate for us. But I also think that that passage, not just that it means that we can die at any moment, but I also think it means that even if you do live a long life, let's say 70, 80 years old, I think even in that case, it's just, it's a vapor. It's, it's a mist, you know, like, even if you live your full life, it's still so small and it goes by so quick. I mean, mm-hmm. 
I think if you ask anybody to just kind of look back on their own, like even if you ask someone young, fairly young, like a 16 year old, just ask them, you know, what they've been through in the past since they were 10 years old. And you look back and you think, man, time has flown. It really goes by so quickly. And I feel like the older you get, the quicker time goes by because, you know, you get into a schedule. It's, you know, wake up, go to work, come home, sleep, repeat the next day. And, mm-hmm. and life just goes by so quick. And I think that even in that case, I think we have to be just as aware of the fact that life is zooming by you. And if you don't make that decision to follow Christ, if you are more focused on things like, like financial gain, you're missing the point. And, and you can, you'll, sadly, some people spend years and years of their life pursuing a dollar. And, and one day you wake up and you realize it just wasn't worth it. And, and you don't realize how much time will go by while that's happening, man. I mean, I know some friends of mine who, who've wasted a decade of their life pursuing, you know, making an extra dollar just to be a slightly more wealthy than the guy next to them. And for what? And for what? And you waste a decade of your life on this pursuit. And again, it's not, it's not inherently bad. It's not inherently wrong to want to, to be, you know, to want to have enough money to provide for yourself, to provide for a family. Those are all good things. But when it's, when it's the bottom line, if, if it's the reason, the only reason you wake up in the morning and it's the desires of your heart, you're missing the whole point of this life. And, and you're going to wake up one day and realize I could have had so much more actual wealth in my life if I had that relationship with Christ. And I think that's just something that, that we have to be aware of again. James is writing this to believers. He's writing this to people who technically already know what Christ did for them. And I think it's something that's so, I feel like it's something that's not talked about enough in modern Christianity, I guess you can say. You know, we, we don't often talk about wealth as being an, an issue. You know, if anything, the only time money is really ever brought up in church is when the church is asking you to donate. That's, that's technically the only time they ever really bring it up as like a thing. And yet in scripture, we are tackled with the problem of money all the time. Finance is a huge issue in the Bible. I mean, how many stories in the Old Testament start because of money issues? And, and so I think it's something that James, clearly James thought this was important enough to basically start off his book with this. This was, in, this was important enough to where this man sat down at his table and he's like, all right, all the things I got to write about to live a practical Christian life. And pretty much the first thing on his list was finances. <laughs> that should tell you something. That should tell you why this is important for us to, to take this seriously as believers, to be aware of where our efforts go when it comes to where we stand financially before God. Yep. It's amazing how in these three verses we learn so many things that we can think about now. Um, Just kind of still speaking of the topic of trials, what we learned today, I believe that you shouldn't spend your time really focusing on whether you're poor, um, whether you're rich, because like we said earlier, if you're a believer, you're all equally dependent on God. What you should focus on is your pursuits and what kind of outcome you're getting from your trials. 
Um, what are you excited or happy about? Where is your extreme happiness in your life? I think, um, is it understanding how much grace God has for you and accepting him and living for him, spreading his message? Is that what your happiness is in? Or is your happiness in something that will fade away? And whether you're poor or rich, you will fade away. You know, I love that example that we do at kids camp often when you have the super long rope, like a hundred foot long rope. And then you have that one inch of the rope, just like with red tape. And you try to show, um, a, show the child that, look, this is our life. This little piece of red tape, you know, it's that's a full inch, life. That's a, a full, full life, full life, inch of a hundred foot piece of rope. Right. And then you undo the whole rope across the whole stage. And then when a person sees this all in one picture, they realize this life is really short and there's very little time to do what you need to do. So, so many things can drag you away. So many things, can, so many different pursuits can, can, can take you places, but you have to ultimately focus on God. Um, especially as a believer through your trials, if you are rich, if you are poor, um, think about what you're happy about, where your humiliation is and, just remember that everything will eventually wither. Um, and I guess you need to really pursue God. Have that be your pursuit. And for those of you listening, just um, take that brief moment, you know, and you think about think about your life. Think about what your pursuits are. I think we're going to wrap it up on that. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for these wonderful verses that we're able to read th- today. Thank you for... So far, the book of James and so far, the things that you have taught us about the trials and possible suffering in our life, how there's so many things in those two words that can make us stronger, that can make us closer to you, that can make us think about our pursuits, that can make us think about our qualities, Lord. Thank you for opening those things up. And I we hope and pray that those listening will also think about the qualities and trials in their life, Lord, because these words are so important to us. Please bless those who are listening and bless the future of the podcast and everything. And we ask that you be with us and our families, Lord, and be with those who are listening. And you see, we all have many struggles. We all have many trials. And there's a lot of time in our life where we're we're really to a point where we don't know what to do sometimes, Lord. Please open, open your heart to those and help guide us through, um, especially with scripture, Lord. Thank you for opening all this to us. May your name be praised. Amen. Amen.